Hello and welcome. This is the Vet Student's Guide to Adulting podcast. I am Ethan Dahl and I will be your host teaching you how to adult your way through all of the big decisions that you will be facing as you approach graduation. Creating a budget, buying a house, cover letter, resume, interviewing tips, and of course we will cover the big one, how do I pay off my student loan debt? We will interview associates and practice owners from all over the U.S. as well as speak with experts from many different fields. We're going to cover in great detail all of the questions that you have as a student or a recent graduate and so much more to equip you with the tools that you need to make those big decisions and give you peace of mind. Let's get started. All right. I am so glad to be back in the chair to do a podcast again. I have been in Virginia doing a, uh, an assessment for a, a very large clinic up there, about 16,000 square feet and several uh, associates and big boarding and all. And then I was in North Carolina meeting with several uh, doctors. I'll actually be going back there at the first of the year, but I am glad to be here with you today. And today I'm going to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart in the veterinary student world and actually um, for practice owners is to talk with you about the interviewing process. It is imperative to me that you understand how to know your value when you go to uh, when you go to interview, you are going to be able to kind of interview them back. And so that's what I'm after. Um, after they agree to hire you, the number one thing you're going to want to know is how much, how much are you going to pay me? And what I want you to be able to do is throughout the interview process, have asked them enough questions that you understand a, what they can actually afford to pay you and b what your value is to that clinic. Now I will tell you, and from my experience for you first, uh, first couple of years, uh, associates. It's not just about the salary, the base salary, the potential for a production bonus. A lot of the value that I place on your first two years is going to be in what type of mentorship are you going to get. I need you to have really high quality, hands-on mentorship. And in the interview process, you're actually going to say, what's the, inter- what's the mentoring going to be like and who's going to be doing it? So is the primary owner that you would really like to do the mentorship under going to pass you along to an associate six weeks in? So that's something that we're going to want to know uh, up front. But in the interview process, you're going to want to know how much, how much are you going to pay me? Well, when I come and I do um, these presentations in front of VBMA groups, I show a calculator and it's it really it's just a simple spreadsheet that I put together that will be able to explain a production bonus. So what I want to do for you today is just kind of give you a verbal idea. And the national average of production bonus pay in the veterinary industry is between 18 and 22%. Now that's for small animal only. Um, You know, large animal gets into the 25 plus uh, there are clinics that will pay 23, 24, 25% in small animal, but the national average is between 18 and 22%. And from that, you're going to derive, well, what's my value at this clinic 
by asking a series of questions. Now, speaking of those questions, I would like for you to have somewhere between 10 or 12 and 15 to 20 questions written down on a notepad that you take into the interview process. Now, of course, you're going to already have memorized these questions and you're going to address them uh, as topics come up that you get the opportunity to put them in to the conversation. You're going to be able to fit most of that in. Now, a lot of the questions that you want answers to should come up organically in the normal flow of the interview process. And you're going to, of course, as I said, look for opportunities to work those things in. You're going to uh, hopefully get a two-day working interview. You know, this interview process is kind of like a date. You know, you, <laughs> you can hide crazy for half a day. You might can hide it for a whole day, but it's hard to hide crazy two days in a row. So you're going to want to get a feel of what's the, the theme, the mood, the culture inside of that vet clinic. I have been asked dozens of times over the years by students, how should I dress? My preference is for you to dress business casual. You don't need to go in dress, a dress and heels. You don't need to be in a three-piece suit, but you need to be able to be dressed professionally. And if they want to go and cut a dog open or uh, you know, go put your hand in a cow, then you're going to be prepared for that. So again, the national average is between 18 and 22% of gross production. Also, a number that you need to know is that the individual gross production national average for small animal only clinics is around 600,000 ish. So of course, you know, if you do $600,000 of production and you are paid 20% of that, that's $120,000 salary. That, that's not too bad, huh? So let's take a step back. What is production? I'm sure most of you know, but as I have given this presentation quite a few times to VBMA groups, I will invariably get asked, okay, what, what's production? So the new year is about to start. Uh, you go into your exam room, the first exam that you have on January 2nd and Mrs. Jones has a, a dog that you uh, do your thing and you do all your your um, uh, tests and things that you go through and the exam fee and everything, and that bill adds up to $318. Now your production for the day is $318. At the end of the day, you've done $1,800 of production. That's your production for the day. Add up the week. That's the production for the week. Add up the month. That's the production for the month, of course, for the year. Each day leads into a week, into a month, into a year. Now, if you get nothing else out of this podcast, please get this. Quite often, clinics do not share with you what your production is through the clinic software, or they don't keep up with it because they don't pay off of production. They don't even offer a, pro a pro sale, a production bonus. Regardless, absolutely keep up with your production every day, every week, every month, every year. It is absolutely going to matter when you go and ask for a raise close to the end of the year. It's going to matter whenever you go to take a new job to be able to say, well, this is what I produced at the last business that I was at. Now, you should be offered somewhere in the 18 to 22% range, whether that's in base pay only or 
if it's in production bonus only or probably a pro-sale, a combination of production and base pay. So most quarterly bonus, most bonuses are paid quarterly. So they will offer you a base pay of let's just say seventy-five, eighty thousand dollars, but they expect you to produce. So if they pay you a base of eighty, eighty thousand dollars, and you are compensated at a twenty percent rate, how much do they expect you to produce in a year to earn your base of eighty thousand dollars? Well, that's four hundred thousand, of course. Well, how did I get to that? Well, uh, what is ten percent of four hundred thousand? That's forty thousand. What's forty thousand times two? That's eighty thousand dollars salary. You can back into it any way you want, but that's a that's math that you need to get very familiar with. Now, of course, they're also going to offer you some basic benefits, or at least they should. So, what type of questions? Should we get into, and, and what are those uh, basic standard benefits that you should be offered? Well, let's talk about all of that. Number one, in the interviewing process, you want to get that interviewer liquored up on conversation because everyone loves to hear themselves talk, and certainly a seasoned veterinarian likes to hear themselves talk. And one of the great questions that I love to ask is, how did you get in to vet medicine? Like, what made you choose it? And... Um, is this what you thought you would be doing when you graduated? And questions like that. And so it loosens up the conversation where it's not just one-sided. Feed the desire for them to want to tell you about their personal life because the more they do that, you're going to be able to ask them questions that you really want to know. If you need to get the ball rolling, ask questions that you already know the answer to in an affirmative way. So, you have three exam rooms? Well, you just toured the place. You know they have three exam rooms. Of course, one of them was full of equipment, so that you don't know that they absolutely use it. But it starts to get the ball rolling. Here's a great question that I'd like for you to have um, in your list. Do you have a practice manager? Of course, if you've met them, you know that. question would be, well, what's their function? You'll want to know, well, what do they do at the clinic? How many full-time employed docs are practicing here? Now, this starts to get into some of the meat of what I want you to know. This is a question that you will have to work in at some point. Am I replacing someone or am I a new hire? I need to know why are they considering hiring me? If you are replacing someone, the next question needs to be, well, do you mind sharing with me what their gross production was for the last 12 months? This is going to open the door up for what you really want to know, and that's the number one question. What do they expect and need your first year's gross production to be? That's the question that you want to know. What do you need it to be? What is your expectation? How much do you expect me to produce? Now, if you are a new hire, or if they're not willing to answer that question, the first question, then you're going to say straight out, what are your expectations for my gross production to be for this first 12 months? Now, if they say $350,000, you know that the national average is about 20%. Now, they may pay you 18, they may pay you 22, but the national average of compensation is about 20%. So, how much do you expect your base pay to be if they say we expect you to produce $350,000? Well, 
What's 10% of 350,000? It's $35,000. Well, what's 35,000 times two? That's $70,000, of course. So your base pay, you now know my value to this clinic is around 70 plus some basic benefits. Now I'm back to the questioning. How many exam rooms do you have? As I said, I need to know how many do you actually use? Is the one on the end only a bereavement room? Is it a catch-all room? Do you actually use it? I know that the average production in a veterinary clinic for an exam room is about $750,000 before that exam room has maxed out its space of ability to create gross production. So with that, I know, you know, if, if later on in the conversation, if they tell me what their gross production was for the last year, which that's a bold question, you know, what did you produce last year? Most owners are not going to be interested in talking to that, asking that. But if, if they, they are feeling comfortable with you, they may share it any, anyway. So what do I get from those questions? Well, I know how many docs they have. I know how many exam rooms they have. I know that each doc can produce around 600,000. And I know that if they've got two full-time docs, they should be doing somewhere in the million-dollar range, unless they have a lot of boarding and grooming. They should be in the million-dollar range. I know each doc is making, uh, producing around half a million, so I know that they should be able to pay me somewhere around a hundred grand. How'd I get to that? Well, 20% of 500,000, 10% is 50, 50 times two is 100, that's 100 grand. So now I'm starting to interview them back to know when they get to the question, well, what do you expect to make here? Well, you cannot just say, well, I would need to make because they don't care what you need to make. They don't care that you have a big student loan. They, you will be able to say to them, you know, based on our conversation and what you've, you've told me about your clinic and what I have observed, I believe that my value to your clinic is about 80 grand. You know, you said I, would, I should produce around 400,000. And so, you know, based on my observations, I think I sh- I'm, I'm worth around 80 grand to you, plus some basic benefits. You need to know what those are. We'll talk about that in a minute. So those are the type questions that you're going to ask. And actually, by the, the end of the interview, you may know more cumulatively about their clinic than they do in a lot of ways. But I say this over and over in my VBMA presentations. I am, I, I'm, it is imperative that I am able to convey to you, I want you to interview with confidence. It is imperative that you understand and know your value. Or (laughs) do you even want to work here? You know, a a tragic mistake is to get into a one-year contract that you can get out of in 60 days, but to get into a one-year contract and then realize, I can't stand working here. As I was saying earlier, there's value in mentorship. There is value in being in a location that wants you there. There's value in that. It also gets into, should I buy a house? Now, in a future episode, we're going to talk about that. When should you buy a house? And how should you go about that process? I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back, and we will finish up this interview conversation. You have some huge decisions to make as you approach graduation and in your first year as an associate. Understanding your first employment contract offer is big, and buying the right disability policy is imperative. 
As a professional, you must protect your number one asset, your ability to go to work. There are many carriers to choose from, but the number one name in disability and the one that I recommend to my clients is Guardian Berkshire. It is the gold standard in the industry and I am licensed to help you acquire the right policy to fit your needs. And as a new disability client, I can review your associate contract. Email me at info at ethandaw.com and let me help you acquire the right disability policy for your needs. So I go all over the country and speak to large groups of practice owners, and I also do quite a few assessments all over the country, and I am, I'm having intimate conversations with practice owners about what they are looking for in a new hire. One thing I can tell you with absolute certainty, the number one thing they say to me is, I need someone that's going to come in and not rock the boat. I need them be, to be able to be friendly, to make eye contact, to speak clearly, to be kind to the staff, to assimilate into the culture of the staff, to be able to adjust to our clientele, to be able to explain um, fairly co- uh, complex, complicated diagnosis and treatment to fairly simple clients that just love their pets. Simple education, I should probably say. Most of, most of the folks that bring their pets into you love their pets. They came into you because they expect you to diagnose and treat their pet properly. That's the easy part. The difficult part for you is to be able to convey how much you care about them, about their pet, to educate them on everything that needs to happen with their pet, and to be able to provide them that care. Now, the, the providing the care is the easy part, believe it or not, for you first and second and third year, fourth year vet students, um, which, by the way, brings me to a, a point that I would like to share with you. A lot of you guys are considering doing a one-year internship, and you will say that it's because you would like to consider a residency. The overwhelming majority of students that I've met with in the past are not interested in a residency, they think that they're just not ready to um, to practice medicine. And I got bad news for you. If that's the case and that's where you're at, you're not going to be ready to practice medicine in a year's worth of internship either. So uh, if that's the case, you need great mentorship. You need to be at a clinic that wants you there, that uh, will pay you for your value. It's an area that you want to be in. And, and you go to work and you learn on the job and you get paid for it. So back to the questions, what is the average transaction charge for the hospital? So another way is average client transaction. That's, a, that's another way to say it. But you need to know uh, what, what each vet and what the hospital are doing. The national average for the hospital is about 140 the national average for an associate is about 165 170 somewhere around in there. So if they come to you and say, uh, if you ask them this question and they say, well, you know, our, our doctor's average client transaction is around $82. What does that tell you? Well, it tells you that they may very likely be high volume, low cost, and that may be the perfect place for you to be in. It may be somewhere you're not really interested in. Here's a question that would be added to the list. How are technicians utilized? This tells me if the docs are doing tech work or doc work. Now, I do not want you to get into your mind that you are too good to do, quote, tech work. 
you of course are not. Actually, anything that helps the process along, you're involved in, even if that means sweeping up for the next client. But I do like to see technicians that are fully utilized, especially when you have a seasoned technician or a licensed veterinary tech that is able to really take a lot of those burdens off of your shoulder and your time because your minutes are the most valuable minutes in the clinic. Eight years of higher education to provide these services. Here's a question you should absolutely ask. How often will my performance be evaluated? You want your performance evaluated. You prefer quarterly evaluations. The next question would be, what specific things will I be evaluated on? I can't hit a moving target, but if you will tell me what you're looking for, I will absolutely be able to thread that needle. How will I be mentored in the first year? It is absolutely important uh, to, to have good mentorship, as we've talked about a couple of times already. Does the hospital ever run short of inventory? Now, this needs to be a question that is asked when everything is flowing well and it fits into the conversation. Great question. What happens if there's an HR issue, a human resources issue? Here's a for instance. How do you handle a tech that thinks they're a doc? Or let's say you're four or five, six weeks into your new job and you've got a seasoned 22-year tech that's standing in the corner, and they hear you make a diagnosis or a comment, and they roll their eyes in front of the client. How do you handle that? Do you give them the full backhand? <laughs> of course not. Do you talk to them out in the hall? Do you go to the owner? How do you handle that? Those are things that you're going to want to know about up front. How about maternity? Should you bring up maternity now? I am bringing you information from practice owners all over the country. I am not giving you my opinion. But what I can tell you from owners, including actually, especially from female owners, they say, Ethan, we know what stage of life they're in. They're better off not bringing up maternity in the interview process. That is something that almost, well, every state does protect against. And it's something that you would be protected. So here's a list of questions that I have in my book. And this is uh, in the book. It is chapter, oh goodness, I think it's chapter five. Yeah, it's in the interview. It's in the back of chapter five. So I've got cover letter, resume, interviewing, and contracts. Of course, we'll talk about contracts next. But here are a list of questions. Uh, will I have my own DEA license? How are patients scheduled? Do you take walk-ins? How are doctors scheduled for exams? How are surgeries scheduled? Will I have surgery mentorship? What is going to be my work schedule? How does, uh, how does everyone here work, uh, work with each other? How well does this uh, group of people get along? Do you have plans to expand the practice? Uh, let's see, what criteria will my performance be evaluated on? We talked about that. What's the average client transaction? Sure. Have you had a lot of turnover with associates and technicians? Wow, that's a great question. So there's so many things um, that I would encourage you to have a list, like I said, you know, 12 to 15, maybe even as many as 20. In the interview process, as those questions pop up, I would like for you to mark them off the list. Why? 
I would like for them eventually to be able to say, hey, what are you marking off there? And, he, and you're going to be able to say, well, you know, I have questions for you and I have a list and that's going to clear the air for you to be able to ask those questions and specifically be able to say, well, what about this? What about this? And it just kind of loosens things up. Now, we're going to talk about contracts on the next uh, podcast for the next episode, and I'm going to walk you through, okay, what does a contract look like? Now, if, if you are a new disability insurance client of mine, I, I can review your first contract for free. Actually, if you're a client of mine, I, I review contracts constantly and I help uh, place you. Uh, actually, for you guys looking for a job, if I have a relationship with you, then I am able to put you on a list of associates that are looking for um, for employment, and I can shop you and your resume around to um, to clients of mine that are looking for uh, a new associate, and I, I get nothing out of it other than I get to help you be placed with a practice owner who will value you, and I help the practice owner find someone that would really like a high quality associate that Ethan recommends. I, you know, I've done this several times in the past, and all of my clients say, Ethan, if you recommend them, I will interview them tomorrow. So, um, so get in touch with me. Email me at Ethan at EthanDahl.com, and, and let's talk, and let me see if I can, can help you out, help understand who you are and what kind of uh, job that you would be looking for and what kind of location in the country. Now, this is a good place for me to stop. I try and post new podcast episodes every Wednesday evening, although recently I've fallen short of that with my trips and assessments outside of my home state. I do a question of the week on Monday morning where I post questions that you guys are sharing, so send those in at questions at ethandahl.com. Periodically, I make announcements on my social media page on Facebook and on Instagram, so uh, be sure and follow or like and like and follow on Instagram. The book that I have, The Financial Guide for Veterinarians, is available at Amazon.com. And that is uh, also available on my website, ethandahl.com forward slash vetbook. And it's available on Apple iBooks. Now, I have noticed that the price of my book has gone up on Amazon recently. Uh, Some of that's to do with taxes and some of it's to do with shipping. If you are looking for a bulk order, contact me directly at ethan at ethandahl.com and I will make a uh, significant discount if a group, a VBMA group, would buy, like to buy 10 books or more. I'll cut the cost down and um, pass the shipping on to you, but I'll cut the cost down of the book. And then if you're individually looking for a book, the best place to get it is either the ebook off of Apple or off of my website, ethandahl at vetbook.com. If you Again, if you have questions for me in general, you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email me at questions at ethandahl.com. If you would like for me to speak to your VBMA or veterinary group, I would love that. Email me directly. I'm starting to schedule my 2020 um, speaking engagements. I've got one in September in Kentucky uh, already scheduled for the KVMA um, annual meeting, but Uh, Look, I I would love to hear from you. I would love to start to engage with you. If there are topics that you would like to hear, I would love to know what those are. Any way that I can help you be better prepared as a a student now and prepare you to be able to interview, understand your contracts, understand your value 
to be able to narrow it down of where you would like to go. I, I would love to be part of, part of that process. So, so next week is contracts. And until then, I hope you have a great week and I will talk with you again next week.